Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to This Is Ours podcast. I'm your host, Domina, and this is my podcast where our motto is to be unapologetically intentional. I first want to start by saying a big thank you again, as I do on most episodes, to everyone who's taken the time out to listen. Your support just means the world to me, and this podcast has just been such a whirlwind journey, and I couldn't have expected any of the love and support and just encouragement to just keep going um it's been an okay two weeks i'm still doing practicum just above been my life practicum i started a new class um and i'm working too so it's it's one of those really busy summers um just like taking the time out to just also rest i watched love island for like five hours on my couch yesterday and it was like the best time ever i had the paper to write but i was like yeah i'm not about this um, but yeah, I've just been, you know, trying to chill out, hang out with friends and just, you know, take it one step at a time. So just some thoughts from our last episode, um, on, if so here comes a bright, so it was on marriage. If you haven't had the chance to listen to it, you should go listen to it. It was a good one if I do say so myself. <laughs> um, so one listener noted how in the society we live in, we would always take an issue and blow it out of proportion so that even the best intentions become greatly misunderstood. And basically, they were they were saying how whatever generates huge revenue will be exploited to sickening proportions. So stuff like war, sex, alcohol, and yes, weddings, which I thought was insane. But if you think about it, it's actually true. The wedding industry is this multi, I'm sure it's billion dollar um, franchise or whatever you want to call it. So like, it makes sense, I guess, as to why, you know, it's something that as the listener said, is exploited. Um, they made a great point that the institution of marriage was created and ordained by God and is sacred in its inception, which I completely agree with and that there is nothing wrong with aspiring to be married and live in a peaceful, loving home with a spouse and children that adore you, which I agree with 100%. Like, I want to get married one day. I want to have kids one day by the grace of God. And I don't think that is such a horrible aspiration. But where I think the issue is, is that the reason that the topic of marriage has gotten to where it has is because of the participants and the mindsets they bring to it. So when we start adding all these things about, you know, just all these superficial things that don't really count when you actually think of what it is to be married to someone and spending the rest of your life with them, that's when, like, the issue becomes touchy, right? So I asked them how we could ever reduce the pressure that is associated with marriage. And they replied that the truth is, biologically speaking, the woman has a natural time period within which she can have children. So it's natural to be concerned when she's reaching that time. Which makes sense when you think about it. But I guess when you're reaching that time, it also gets to the point where you start asking yourself questions like, okay, do I want to adopt? Like, surrogacy? Like, are there other options that don't limit me to, okay, I'm 30 or I'm 35 or I'm 40, I mean, with modern medicine or whatever age you are at and you're like oh I need to marry just because I want to have children I guess at that point is asking yourself questions like again adoption surrogacy other alternatives to having children that might not necessarily be natural birth but again it's like it's a personal thing right it's it's very contextual so it's from person to person but ultimately like I believe most things, it's about balance, right? And this listener made a good point. How much of people's advice do you respond to? And what is your threshold for social and societal pressure? And it makes complete sense because when you think about it, again, it's a personal thing, right? If I'm 
able to resist social and societal pressures, then I'm okay with being a 35-year-old woman that isn't married. If I'm able to withstand people's advice, quote-unquote, then I might be able to live that life. On the other hand, if, you know, after a while... And not to say that if you're not able to withstand that pressure, there's something wrong with you, because I think it's easier said than done, because when you have family, friends, like you're scrolling through your social media again and you're seeing all these hashtags and your mom is asking you and your uncle's asking you and every time you go home, people are like, okay, so what's up? After a while, it gets to the point where you're just like, okay, I can't, like, this is too much. Like, I can't deal with it. And even subconsciously, maybe you find that the next boyfriend you have, now you're thinking, oh, okay, we've been going out now maybe four months. Okay, when is it start to, like time to start talking about marriage and stuff? So I think it's definitely easier said than done as in regards to like with like withstanding the pressure. But I think, again, it's just about that balance and how you find that balance in yourself is like a personal decision. But another listener noted what I've been thinking as well the fact that being career driven doesn't really change things for the modern woman. There's so many hardworking women that still think they haven't accomplished anything because they don't have a man, which I think is so disappointing because like I have, if I have all these things in like that I've accomplished in my life and I'm 30 and I'm still single. So now I've accomplished nothing because I don't have like a man and kids. It's so disappointing, but I guess again, it's a mindset thing, right? So it's not, I don't know if it's something we'll ever be able to change because like mindsets are not very easy to sway, especially things that are like marriage and societal pressures that are so entrenched in the culture. So I don't know if it's something that would ever change, but I know I would never stop talking about it because like I don't, I don't want any little girl growing up or even any grown woman thinking that they're not enough just because they don't have a man or like they don't have children and they've reached whatever age society depicts at that time is the right time. Because even when you think of that, right, the time, like the, the, the threshold or whatever it's what you want to call it of like when to get married has changed over like the years. Right. So who knows, maybe 10 years from now will be 40 or 20 years from now will be 50. So I don't want anyone, I I guess for me, it's just like about make sure that people don't think that they are worth any less or like their accomplishments are worth any less because they haven't reached societal measures of what it is to be an accomplished woman or whatever that means. Um, so those are just like my last, um, not my last, but my continuing thoughts on last, um, the last episode on Here Comes the Bride. Um, before we dive into today's episode, I just want to say that I love hearing from you folks about what you think. So please keep the thoughts coming. So on to the next one. So today I'd initially titled this episode Growing Pains. Shout out to Timmy for the episode title idea. But then I was um, finishing up some homework before I was set to record and I just was scrolling through my Twitter um, no, actually my Instagram, and I came across a story, my friend Sophie had it on her Instagram story, and it was about, um, Timmy Dacolo's wife, Busola, and, you know, her coming out and telling her story about how her pastor at the time, Biodu Fato Gimbo, had raped her, and at first, I was, like, scrolling so quickly that I wasn't even paying attention, and then I clicked on it, and I didn't watch the video at first. I kind of just like Googled it and I read a few articles. Um, and then I 
I ended up like, it was like one of those rabbit holes, right? Like anyone that has ever gone on an Instagram rabbit hole knows how it starts. So you go from, so it was an article and this one was like a safari rabbit hole. It was an article, then another article, then another article, then another article. And then I was like down this rabbit hole of rape culture in Nigeria. Then I went back to Twitter. Then I went back to Instagram. And then I was just like, I don't know if I can just read all this and not and enter the studio and not talk about it. Because I was like exploding with like thoughts and feelings and opinions. And I was like, I need to let this out. And there was nobody near me. And I was like, okay, we're going to let this out into the microphone. So basically what what my knowledge of what has happened is so Bukola Bukola Dakolo is um Nigerian musician Timmy Dakolo's wife and she has come forward saying that the pastor of this church I can't even remember the name of the church had um had raped her when she was 17 and basically like you can read the details I'm going to um put the link to the video somewhere either on my Instagram or on SoundCloud somewhere so that you can watch it or you could just always Google it. But basically, there were just some things, I was reading a few articles and some things really stood out to me. And so basically, this episode is, I guess, just my thoughts and wherever that leads me, let's see how it goes. So I have, so the first thing was, so a lot of people obviously have a lot of opinions on this, but what stood out to me Maybe not what stood out to me the most. But one of the things that really stood out to me was... So this pastor has now gone and released this statement. And one of the things he said in the statement is... I have never raped anyone, not even as an unbeliever. And I read it at first and I was like... Okay. Then I read it again and I was like... I'm so confused. What does that mean? Like... Not even as an unbeliever. So like... I, like, I don't even, like, how do you deconstruct that kind of statement? But then I guess it makes sense because, or it made sense to him to say that because obviously somebody thinks that makes sense because then when I was on Twitter, some guy was saying how, like, everybody has a past and this um, Bukola lady also has a past. Like, he might have done it when he, before he was a pastor and gave his life to Christ. And I'm like, okay, I don't understand why how that has to do with anything, right? Even if he was an unbeliever, even if it was before he gave his life to Christ, like if you rape somebody, it's a crime, right? Point blank period. Like, why are we, why are we trying to, I don't know, justify or skate around the idea that, okay, this pastor man has allegedly raped someone. And so it has to be because it was before he was saved. Then we let him go because now he's a pastor. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, I, I, I'm so... I really don't understand. And it's like, he he went on to say he doesn't appreciate the fact that people are attacking the church and blah, 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 blah. And it's just this idea of institutionalized religion, right? That honestly, I think is a topic for another day because, like, religion is one thing, but what religion has turned to in this modern day, especially in a country like Nigeria, it's, it's honestly, I think, is like... It gets to the point where it's just like, what is going on? Like, I understand the respect that we give pastors. They're men of God. But then it's almost come to a point where, like, pastors are being worshipped almost as these, like, infallible human beings that can do no wrong. And they are just, like, I, I, I just don't get it. Because the thing is, like, nobody's attacking the church. We're attacking this man. Remove the fact that he's a pastor. 
because he allegedly raped someone. Like, that's it. Point blank period. Like, nobody is saying the church did this or, you know, pastors are this. We're saying this particular man did this, right? And then, you know, it's like you're blackmailing people because then the people who are, like, the peop- the religious churchgoers who, like, believe in the church and believe in what it represents are now feeling like they can't support this woman who has come forward because the person that she's accusing is a pastor. So, obviously, this woman has to be lying because how do you accuse a pastor and what does that mean? And round, around, around, around we go, right? And which... I just, I don't understand. It makes no sense to me. And then later in the statement, he goes on to say, looking at her status and that of her husband, I am dumbfounded by why she would do such a thing. Again, why are we bringing things that are completely unrelated into this issue or into this case, right? Her status and her husband's status literally have nothing to do with nothing. Like, even if she was, pres- if she was quick, like, it has her title, her status in the society have nothing to do with anything. Why are you even bringing her husband's status into, like, they have nothing to do with what we're talking about. Like, she's accusing you of something and your only, like, your only avenue is to, one, blackmail people by saying she's attacking the church and then, two, be like, oh, her status, why would she do such a thing? And it's like, it's amazing because I went further on to read that this isn't the first person that has accused this man of rape. This is the second person. And this man is talking about taking criminal and civil action. Like, I'm so confused. How did we get from two women accusing you of rape to taking criminal and civil action? And I think it goes back to this idea of like, when we talk about rape and then people... People, I don't know, you never want to talk about rape because everybody's like, well, you know, there's false allegations as well. And there's this really interesting picture I've seen and I will actually post it on my Instagram. It's about like in a mass of people who report rape allegations, I think in the picture it's like two of them are false allegations. And I'm not saying that false like false rape allegations are not a thing. But then why is it that when a woman comes forward or a man comes forward and says, this is what has happened to me, the first thing to come out of any most people's mouths is, oh, they have to be lying, oh, this, that. Especially when the man, like in this case, is an influential man, has power, has money, or all those things. Like, this man is taking criminal and civil action. I don't understand. Like, how does that, how does that work? Like, how, what? And then, so, I didn't really watch the full video, but one of the headlines of the articles I was reading was that allegedly he had told her, you should be happy a man of God disciplined you. In essence, saying she should be happy that it was a man of God that disversioned her. So, I'm so, like, obviously, when talking about rape and rape, rape cases and rape culture it's very important to use the word allegedly because or not to say that the woman is not telling the truth but at the end of the day like we only know what we're told right so allegedly this is what he said now if this is truly what he said oh my god i don't like where do you even begin because again it goes to this idea of what does it mean to be a man of god institution institutionalized religion and the power that is given to these men of God, quote unquote. And how do you come up with a statement? Like I'm like, it's because he's a pastor. Like 
I don't understand. I don't understand. And then you have people in his comments on the statement going, yes, pastor, we are with you. This woman is this, this woman is that. Somebody got, when I had to say, oh, that um, Bukola and her husband to me are morally bankrupt because um, both of them had a child out of wedlock. Like now, again, we're bringing things that are completely unrelated into this thing. She had a child out of wedlock. Okay, this was years after this man allegedly raped her. So again, orange, apple, how do these two things connect? Like, what is our mentality? Like, how did we, not even how did we get here? How do we get out of here? Because I feel like we are really, 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 like, these kinds of mentalities are so entrenched in the rape culture. And I'm going to talk about in Nigeria because, like, obviously, I I know a bit about what is the rape culture is in like Canada and when like in the states as well. But like, I think I've been baffled a lot about just the rape culture in Nigeria, especially. I don't know if any. I mean, the people on listening who have like Twitter and Instagram, a couple. I think it was at the end of last year that we had the viral hashtag. Um, was it end? Oh my gosh, what was the hashtag? Something about rape justice in Nigeria. I completely forget the hashtag. But it was following the two lucky boys that had um, drugged and raped the 23-year-old 20, girl in Lagos. And, you know, obviously we were all in an opera because it was like we were bringing the conversation back to the forefront, right? Because this isn't something that is happening today like this isn't something that is just happening now like rape culture is so entrenched in our society that is mind-boggling i read this really amazing article like maybe 30 minutes ago in the guardian and i'll post that somewhere as well but it was just it really dissected what rape culture is because when you think about it rape culture is not only the act of you know a man or a woman raping somebody, right? It is everything else that surrounds it, right? So it is, you know, the disgrace that or the shame that comes to a woman from her family after being violated that way. It is sexualizing little girls. It is the policing of a woman's body. It is like all these other things that we don't talk about that is also entrenched in the culture, right? Because when you think about it, instead of what I find is instead of focusing on the rape, on the act, on this violation, right? But even before I even get into that, right? She, the lady in the article I'm talking about, talks about rape as this power play, right? It is somebody exerting their power on another person. And I think that's such an amazing way to look at it because. And you find that instead of focusing, as I was saying, instead of focusing on the rape, we focus on everything she did leading up to it, right? So she shouldn't have, you know, been wearing that revealing, she shouldn't have been wearing revealing clothing. She shouldn't have said that to him. She shouldn't have insinuated this. She shouldn't have gone to his house. She shouldn't have, she shouldn't have inserted whatever word is there, right? So we talk about all this, but we don't talk about the actual act. And I think something that is really important is the power dynamics instilled between the genders from time, like from 
youth, right? Because, for example, now I'm a teenager, my brother is allowed to go play, but I have to stay in the kitchen because I'm being trained to be a wife, to be like home caretaker, whatever, 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 right? And that's just one part of it. It's just the idea that a man is head of the home, which, you know, to some extent is true, but then where are we drawing the line, right? It's all these things, these power dynamics that we instill from young that make boys think that they have some sort of a claim on a woman's body so that when a woman is telling you no, you can't believe it because you've been socialized to think that you have the right to her and her body, right? Goes back to this idea of a woman must be a virgin before marriage. Now, everybody has different opinions on that. I have my opinions on that. They're different from most people's opinions on that. But I bring that up to say, again, is this idea that a woman must be pure for her husband, but then it's a double standard because nobody ever says a man has to be pure for his wife because a man has to have... Now, people ask, oh, no, but he has to have experience. He has to have this, is that. So, again, is this power dynamics that go between how as a society we socialize our boys and how as a society we socialize our girls because why isn't the man ever held responsible like why is only the woman where's the lesson on consent that is given to the boys like where did it go like why do we first say she did this she did this this is what happened we're blaming the rape victims or in some cases, like this, like we're blaming the devil. Oh, the devil made me do it. Oh, this made me do it. Oh, that made me do it. Why aren't we holding people accountable? Why are we okay with the idea of justifying whatever it is they did with whatever it is excuse that they give us? Because then it also goes to this idea of sexualizing little girls, right? As a girl, maybe from age until I'm about... 11, 12, you know, I can wear shorts, I can wear a spaghetti strap top, I can wear a short dress, and then all of a sudden now I'm 11, I've had my period, you know, my boobs are coming out, you know, I'm I'm filling out, and then now it's like, oh no, don't do that, oh no, don't do that, because you don't want to attend, like, um, attract the wrong attention. But then, like, why is, why is that... Why is that the lesson? What's, why are we teaching girls that they shouldn't be proud of the body they have and they should they, they, they can't, you know, obviously respectfully appreciate the body that they have, but we're not teaching boys that they should respect the body that women's have, women have. So it's like we're shaming girls for having, for filling out and having all these things that God gave to them. But then we're not teaching boys how to respect the same things that we're shaming girls for. And it's insane because then another, when you think about just the inherent power dynamics that exist between the man and the woman, and then you think of like, what if the guy now has money or influence? Now we're talking about a totally different game because then sometimes rape is almost like a punishment. It goes back to this idea of rape being this power dynamic, right? Whether it's husband and wife, father and daughter, uncle and niece, boss and maid, stranger and woman walking on the street. Like, all these things, right? It's like, this idea, and I've heard this before, like, a husband cannot rape his wife. But then it goes back to this idea of, because as a culture, how we are socialized, is this idea that a husband almost owns his wife. So if you own something, 
obviously you can't like now he can exploit her because he owns her so if she says no i'm tired babe i don't want this he can be like but no i paid for this like this i own you like i he doesn't understand the word no tied into the fact that from young he's been taught that you know he's the head and he's this and he's that so he's not going to take a no from her he has never been taught what consent means so now if a wife comes and like my husband raped me that statement would not even a lot of people wouldn't even be able to comprehend it because husband wife obviously you know she has to be giving him sex because if she's not and then he cheats then it's her fault, which in the article by The Guardian, they also, um, she also categorizes an another avenue of rape culture because the wife, for whatever reason, maybe denies sex. He cheats, now it's her fault because she denied him something that she owed to him for whatever reason that she owed it to him. So it's just like this whole, like what we're, we're going round and round and round in circles about what, it's just, it's, and by that, I mean, like, it's such an intricately woven, like, web. Because, like, when you think of all all the, like, all the, I've mentioned at least, like, ten things that I think are ingrained and entrenched in this rape culture. And it's insane because even when you think of women on, like, women shaming other women, right? Because it's one thing for a woman to come out and share her story and then for her to be bashed by men. That's one thing. It's not correct, but that's one thing. And then there's another thing for a woman to share her story and then to be bashed by fellow women saying, oh, again, she shouldn't have done this. 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 It's insane. Or then the sufferhead mentality in that, oh, I've read somebody tweeted, oh, um, I mean, um, Bukola shouldn't have said anything because we've all gone through it before. Like, it's nothing new. And what does that even, like, what i i don't understand what does that even mean so because one woman went through it everybody else like she should just be quiet because everybody else has been quiet before what kind of what kind of mentality are we perpetuating like what kind of what are we doing like what is going on because even again to this topic of are we teaching boys consent something as little as okay in high school for example, like boarding schools, there's like maybe a party in the night. And obviously, boys and girls are dancing on each other or whatever. Now, if I agree to dance with one boy, we're dancing, we're enjoying ourselves. I turn around and I turn back around to face whoever it is I'm dancing with. And I see that there's another boy there. Because what just happened is his the boy I was dancing with, boy A, has now tapped in boy B to dance with me without getting my consent but for some reason maybe because i consented to boy a that means it's like a blanket consent to all the boys in the room to dance with me but then that's not how it works so something as little as that now shoots up and then is just you keep fostering that mentality that this is you know they are the kings of the world and blah 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 
and then that's literally how they live their lives right you have the boss who slaps the secretary's ass or like the the innuendos and the uncomfortable comments and just the eye raping and all these things horrible things that women are subjected to in society because of how we socialized the genders which to me is freaking ridiculous it's like insane but then also at the same time, I'm so grateful because I have the privilege of my safety, which is something, if I'm completely honest, I never thought of until maybe like a month ago. I was walking back from my practicum at like 10 p.m. to my apartment because it's not a far walk. And I was on the streets and in Kelowna, like everything closes really early. So at like 10 p.m., it's dark, like there's nobody out. Obviously, the street lights are on, but I'm walking with my headphones in and I'm just thinking to myself, like the privilege, my actual privilege, like literally at that point, the audacity of my privilege because women in so many parts of the world and even in the same colony that I live in don't have that privilege of being able to walk around just believing and hoping that nothing is going to happen to them, regardless of whether or not they ask for it, whether or not they're wearing like. It's just, for me, it's completely insane. And I can go on talking about this forever because, like, I just, I think it's just something we don't talk about enough. And it's so entrenched. And to talk about it means we really have to deconstruct a lot of the mentalities that hold our culture together. So, yeah, because for me, it's like, from a young age, I'm taught how to behave so I'm not a victim. I get a manual on how to dress, how to look at men, how not to look at men, how to talk to men, how not to talk to men, how to behave. I'm given a manual on literally how not to be a victim, how not to be oppressed by the male power or whatever. So where is the manual for the boys on how not to be an abuser, how not to assault women, how to gain consent like where is that manual and how do we distribute that manual to a point where it's as widely known as the manual that is given to girls so that's my question like where is the manual for the boys where is it like how how do we cut destroy this mentality that we have that is so entrenched so yeah if you couldn't tell i'm really passionate about this and i could go on forever but I think my my only question is, where is the manual for the boys? And yeah, where is it? So <laughs> thank you so much for listening to my passionate rant on this Friday afternoon. But by the time I post this, it will be Saturday morning or whenever it is you listen to it. Thank you for listening to it. And um, yeah, follow me and this podcast on all our social media platforms twitter instagram facebook um they're all in the description on soundcloud they're also on my instagram and they're in like the blurb for this episode so they're everywhere so follow me let me know what you think you know give me your thoughts please i really want to know and i will link all the things i referenced somewhere either i post them during the week or link them somewhere so that you folks have the chance to just watch them or listen to them or however you so please um and have a wonderful two weeks um if you're in canada listening to this have a wonderful canada day 
Um, if you're in the States listening to this, have a wonderful 4th of July. Um, and yeah, this two weeks, don't forget to be unapologetically intentional. Thank you and God bless.